0: How's it going? I look better in the dark. I've got, I've got one of those faces for radio. I think isn't that what they said? But um, hey, I'm. Uh, don't clap for that. I'm just, I'm just teasing. I'm really glad you're here. You know, um, most historians don't doubt that Jesus lived on the earth. It's interesting because. Uh, um, Every historian that you know of that's credible will say that, of course, a man named Jesus lived in the first century, and he did a lot of incredible things. Where people struggle is the fact that Jesus was God, that Jesus was God himself who entered human history in a miraculous way, who uh, you know, lived a perfect life and then went to the cross, dying on the cross and then raising from the dead, proving that he was God. Now it's uh, interesting as, uh, as we live in a culture that is growing more and more doubtful about the Jesus as God, but, but you know, Scripture, as it unfolds, we, we are amazed at the story of the cross, and that's why we've been looking at that over the last several weeks. Um, but, you know, it's normal for all of us to struggle with doubts at times. I mean, I've struggled with doubts. I can remember in college. I was a freshman in college and I was went to Southwestern Oklahoma State University. I was the tennis recruit that was there to play tennis and I lived next door to the, the freshman basketball recruit and he was from Tulsa and, and um, you know, Corey and I lived next door to each other and, and I was in the word. I was, I, I knew the Lord. I was walking with the Lord the best I could. I was having my quiet time every day and, but I was struggling. I mean, my girlfriend and I, our, my high school girlfriend, we broke up. We went to separate colleges and you know what they say, absence makes the heart grow yonder, right? And uh, so that's exactly what happened to us. And, uh, and so um, I had no girlfriend, I was struggling and, and I'll never forget this because I was in the Word, that was a habit. And, um, and one morning um, I go outside in the hallway, I was in my underwear in the chair in my hallway having my quiet time. And Corey was just partying it up, man. He was saying all the time to me, man, college is awesome, man. I love it. It's so fun. And man, he and and as I'm sitting there having my quiet time in my underwear, this girl walks out from Corey's room. I'm like, How you doing? She, you know, and embarrassed her, embarrassed me. And and I was sitting there thinking to myself, God, is does this work? Is it really worth it to follow you? And in that 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 day, my quiet time was in Psalm 37, and it says this. It says, do not fret because of evildoers. And it basically says, uh, verses one through five of Psalm 37 talks about they'll, 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 they'll wash away like the wind. And he says, if you trust, trust in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And in that moment, as a college freshman, I was looking at the word of God, I was wrestling with this question, and God spoke to me and said, trust me. And I was like, okay, okay Lord, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna trust you. And I felt like I was at this crossroad of doubt. Have you ever been there? Where you're like, Lord, is this really true? Does this really work? And, you know, in my life, when I face those doubts and and as I I think back about that journey, that experience as a freshman in college, over and over again, God has continually proved himself to me. He's continually made, made it known that he's with me, he's real, he's at work, he's alive. And, and, and he constantly has moved me, even in the face of doubts, to turn my face back to him. And, and, and when I struggle with doubts, I find myself always going back to the cross, back to what Jesus did when he, when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. Because not only did that event change the history of the world, and it's and we live in this cruciform culture that that the 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 life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ changed history. It changed all of us, changed, changed our whole world. But it also changed my history. As I think about the history of my life, as it goes, uh, God has changed me. He's he's moved in me. He's spoken to me, and and he's changed my life. And, And, you know, I go back to the cross because that was a moment that changed everything. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 20, because we're, we're in this moment of, of, of the crucifixion and the, and, the, and the cross. And in John 20, the crucifixion had just taken place. And John, we looked at John last week, if you were with us, and, and John was the, the one that was faithful, that never left Jesus' side. And, and he wrote the book of John and the gospel of John. And, and, and you, see, you see in chapter 20, he picks up, as as the 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 ladies had gone to the cross now John in his gospel he kind of turns the spotlight onto Mary Magdalene we know from the synoptic gospels from Matthew Mark and Luke that there were other women there but for for but in John's gospel he just turns the spotlight on Mary Magdalene and he tells about Mary Magdalene shows up at the tomb we know the other ladies were there and that's interesting because you know the ladies knew that this was controversial that Jesus was was Put to death, and that that there were guards likely there, and, and they were they were going anyway. They were like, I don't care. I'm gonna go minister to the body of Jesus, which I think is really incredible that they went. And then John records as Mary walked up to the to the tomb, she noticed the stones rolled away, and his body wasn't there. And she was like, Oh, oh my goodness, what is? What is going on? And, and, and what, what is happening? And, and she just is, is struggling with this. And, and, and she runs to, to Peter and the apostles. And, and then she goes, hey, 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 he's gone, his body's gone. And, and if you follow this, it's funny because verse four uh, John chapter twenty, John writes this, and he says he says, both of them were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I can see Peter going, "Dude, why'd you have to put that in there?" He's like, "Hey, man, I'm faster than you, and I wanted everybody to know it all through history and uh and but I, I love John, I think that's really funny but but Peter and John get there, and, and verse 5 says they, they stoop to look in, and he saw the cloths lying there. They go in, and they're like, there's cloths there. And I think it's interesting, uh, one of them was folded. I mean, Jesus rose from the dead, and he conquered the grave. He's like, I better fold this. I think that's awesome. But he goes on in verse 7 um, they were, the cloths were there. And I want you to notice verse 8. As, as they're there in the tomb, and, it's, and Jesus has gone, then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed. Look at that. John saw the, we, we looked at him last week, he saw the crucifixion. And he, but, but then he, when he walks into the tomb, he's like, yeah. Okay, John gives us insight. He says, verse nine, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. So so they go back and they're they're like, okay, what is happening? And John's like, something big's gone on. This is good. This is big. Now I want us to point something out because I don't want us to miss this as a church. You know that every time... God moves in us. It is not uncommon for the Spirit of God to lead us to take steps of faith before he does something supernatural. Okay, see, John sees this, and he's like, yeah, Lord, I believe you. Do you know what happened in our church this year? Our church took this step of faith into the unknown for us, we, 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 God moved us to start a campus at in in Tulsa at Calvary Baptist Church and and we and we took this step of faith. And and God moved us and God was clear as He as these things came together and now we're uh we're 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 in we're one church in two locations and we took this step of faith but I want you to notice something. Right after we took that step of faith, we've been praying for the funding of the mission, right? And and, and just just a few weeks after we took that step of faith, we watched God provide over $500,000 in two weeks to complete the funding of the mission. I don't want us to miss that because there are many moments in life where God will move you to take a step of faith into the unknown, to trust the Lord into the unknown because he's at work and he's going to he's going to bless steps of faith. Don't miss that. Let's not miss that. John believed and and God was about to rock his world. And we see this because um as they, as they went, verse 11 talks about the, how the story unfolds. Mary and the women stood there weeping, and they were crushed. They couldn't understand. Jesus, how could, where is he? Where's his body? And all of a sudden, Jesus appears before them. He stands in front of them, and, and they don't recognize him at first. And then Jesus said, Mary. And when he said her name, she stopped. And she said, her. And he goes, Don't don't touch me yet, but I want you to go tell my brothers. And so, of course, I mean, I'm telling you, if you would have been there, if you and I would have been there, and we watched Jesus go to the cross, and then we watched him rise from the dead, and he said, Go do something, you'd go, All right, no problem, I'll go do it right now. And that's what the ladies did. They went immediately and told the disciples, they walked in and said, We've seen Jesus, he's alive. And they were like, What? Well, I don't understand, and and, and they got everybody together. I mean, Peter and John went to their homes. She went and gathered them all. So now we see that they're on on the evening of the first day of the week, uh, verse 19, that they were were behind a locked door. They had gathered together around this locked door, and and they're, they're together, and all of a sudden, Jesus' locked door was no problem. He comes through the locked door and appears to them. Now I've heard people say, you know what, it doesn't make sense. No, no one can go through a locked door. Well, that that that's just that's just ridiculous. Well let me tell you something. If if Jesus can defeat death and conquer the grave, a locked door is not a problem, really. Come on, seriously. And um and Jesus appears to them, and you would think that if Jesus appeared to them after what he just went through, he would say, guys, what's up? Why'd you leave me? Why'd you abandon me? But Jesus didn't do that. John tells, them, tells us that when Jesus appeared to them, what does he say? He says, Peace to you. Peace to you. And I love that. In spite of our mistakes, in spite of our struggles, in spite of the, our failures at times, God brings us peace and he, forgiveness. And, and, he, and he does that to the disciples. It transformed them. And, and, and what's interesting is, is verse 22, look at this. And when they had said this, when he had said this, he, he said, he said, look, here's my hands, here's my side. I want you to see that this is me. And, and he stands in front of them and he breathed on them, verse 22, and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This was the moment that all of them were saved, I believe. They were like, okay, you're God. You are the savior of the world. Here you are. They went to his funeral. They saw his death, and now he's standing in front of them. They received the Holy Spirit in that moment. Then Jesus gives them a foreshadowing of what they were going to do. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. He's given them insight into this ministry that they're going to have. They're going to go to the whole world and tell them that forgiveness has come. And then that's where we pick up today, in John 20, verse 24. Would you stand with me and let's read the text today. We're going to read verses 24 through 29. Now, Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the hands, the marks of the nails, I place my finger into the marks of the nails, place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, they came, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. And this is the word of the Lord thanks you may be seated now now you know what thomas is this guy that gets this bad rap i think because because i i think thomas shouldn't be known as doubting thomas but but he should be the guy that that is known as the one setting the example for how to overcome our doubts because thomas sets an example that we should all follow and i hope we catch it today because if you find yourself in this moment and it's normal for all of us as as we right before easter to confront this question, is this really true? Is this really true for you? And you may have walked into the door, in the door today wondering, is this true? But I want you to, know, I want you to notice what Thomas did. Um, Thomas, first of all, if you have your notes, follow along. Th- Thomas looked for the truth. And if you're doubting today, I want to challenge you to look for the truth. All through Thomas's life, when he's mentioned in Scripture, we see him looking for the truth. And this is why he should set the example, not get a bad rap as doubting Thomas all through history. Because you see this in, in John 14. Remember John 14, one through seven. This is famous verse that Jesus was, was teaching the disciples and, and, and he's talking about heaven. And Jesus says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms, which is like many dwelling places, many, many uh, mansions, King James says. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. And Jesus said this, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is telling us right there, heaven is a real place, that when we die, we're gonna go to heaven. Jesus is preparing a place for you. But Thomas, being a one that's looking for the truth, says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus uttered that incredibly, important and famous verse when he said, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And then he said, if you have known me, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Thomas, you've seen him. And in this moment, Thomas is looking for the truth. Now I want you to notice, verse 24, uh, that when, when when the disciples were with um, in the upper room, Thomas wasn't there. It says Thomas the twin. He had a twin. He wasn't there. And after they saw Jesus, what they do? They go find Thomas. Thomas, we've seen him. And he's like, you know what? I'm not gonna believe unless I see him. I- I'm not gonna believe it. There's no way that's impossible. But you know what's interesting about Thomas? Eight days later, verse 26 says eight days later, the disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Look at that. What is Thomas doing? He's looking, he's investigating the truth. He's like, I'm gonna go see. And and then Jesus does it again. He walks in and he says, peace to you. And and he does the same thing to Thomas. he did twice, he's come through a locked door. And Thomas is there. Folks, do you know what we get to do this week? Do you know that we get to see Jesus this week? I'm so excited about the Passion Week experience. After this service, we're going to completely transform this afternoon, this room. And we are going to um, create the Passion Week experience. And it's our prayer that this week, those that we know and we love, people in our city, will come and see what Jesus has done. And it's my prayer that you come and you get to see the the crown of thorns, you get to walk through the passion Week experience, walk through the stages of the cross, and then at the end of the stages of the cross you'll get you 'll be confronted with our own sin, your sin, and you 'll get to nail a, a nail to the cross then you 're going to walk out of here and and i 'm going to get to share and one of our staff is going to get to share the gospel with people, share how someone can be saved, and then after that Every believer is going to get to go have the Lord's Supper together in an intimate setting. And my prayer for you is that you come and see what Jesus did. But can I challenge you? Don't come by yourself. What I love about the disciples here, they go, we got to go get Thomas. We got to go get him. And they do. They go get him. And you know what? Thomas shows up because he's looking for the truth. If you're doubting today, look for the truth. I'm so grateful for that moment in college as I'm sitting in that dorm room at a crossroad in my life. And I was like, I was looking at the word of God out of a habit. But in the midst of that habit, um, God spoke to me through his word. And I'm so grateful God grabbed my attention and I looked at him, you know that you're here today if you're struggling with doubts, this is a moment that God is grabbing your attention and saying, look at me. Do you know that there are people that we're gonna invite after this, this today, this week, I'm gonna, there's gonna be some men that I play tennis with that I'm gonna invite to come and see what my Savior has done. I wanna challenge you, if you're doubting, look. For the truth, Thomas did that, and it was incredible. Second thing that we see, um, look at verse 27. Jesus is before Thomas. He said, said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it on my side. And then Jesus said, do not disbelieve, but believe, Thomas. Don't disbelieve, but believe. And one of the things that you see Thomas doing, he, he's like, all right, I'm going to believe you. I, and from this moment on, he believes. You don't hear him saying, okay, well, let me feel it. Let, let me let me put my hand there. No, he didn't. He stops and says, My Lord and my God. Do you know what Thomas did? He confronted his doubts. He 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 looked at the evidence. And in our culture, we've got to we've got to identify the reasons for doubting the evidence. Because, you know, there are some people that just doubt the evidence. You know, Frank Turek was here a few months ago. And uh, he came and spoke. And, man, he's written a book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And, and after he was here, he left our church on Sunday. The next day, Monday, I go with him to UCO where he did a presentation at, at the University of Central Oklahoma. And it was, int- it was so incredible. We had this room that seated 500 people. And they were, every seat was packed, people were lined around the aisles and and there were all kinds of people there that were investig that wanted to hear this presentation he was giving a presentation on the on on proof for god's existence there was a young lady that got up that day and and uh, she stood in front of the crowd and and there were microphones and she says she asked him a question and she said i'm an atheist and, and he asked her this incredible question. He says, young lady, I'm so proud of you for getting up and, and, share, and asking this question, but can I ask you a question? If, if I were to prove to you, and if you were to, 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 to come to the point where you said the resurrection of Christ is true, would you believe it? And she said, no, I wouldn't. Even if I knew it was true, I wouldn't believe it. And he said, oh, I thank you for your honesty. But you know, here's the thing. Most of the time when we doubt, it's not because the evidence is not there. Most of the time when we doubt, it's other reasons. Thomas, he saw the evidence and he said, okay, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. But, but, But for most people, a lot of people, even though the evidence is clear, people still doubt. Still say, I'm not going to believe. Why, why do people doubt? I'm going to give you two reasons. People that just, just they, they don't identify the real reasons for the doubts. One, one reason people doubt are moral struggles. People are, there are they're, they're things they just don't want to give up. There's sin in their life that they just don't want to stop. And and I want to challenge you to really think about this. If you're doubting God today, if you're doubting whether God is real, identify what those reasons are. If they're a moral issue, if it's just because you don't want to give up something, I want you to know that's a human condition. Isaiah said that we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us have turned to his own way. But today I want you to know the Lord is laid on Christ Your sin, the iniquity of us all, my sin. And I pray that that you don't allow a sinful struggle or a sinful desire to keep you from acknowledging and giving your life to Jesus. You know, Jesus said this in, in, um, in John 7, 7. He says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. I want you to know sin is devastating. It is devastating. Sin will always um, keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin has a price tag higher than you want to pay. And I pray that you don't allow a sinful struggle to keep you from believing in Christ. Sometimes moral struggles... Are, are reasons that people say, no, I will not believe. You know, sometimes suffering keeps people from believing. They go through difficult times. They go through um, challenges or there's suffering in the world. And, 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 and there's a, that's a legitimate question. Why do bad things happen? And, and it's amazing that God, in, he has the power to stop all suffering and stop all evil, but he gives us the freedom to choose. Because he loves us, he, he allows us to choose. And because there is choice, there will be evil in the world. And the truth is, some suffering comes about because of our choices that we make. Now, the the truth is, when tough times come, and just today in our first service, we stopped our service in the first first service because uh, one of our church members is here, and he was just recently diagnosed with cancer. And he loves God. He's a huge servant in our church. And it's a dire diagnosis. I don't know why bad things happen. But I I, I know this, that that some good can only be achieved when suffering takes place. For example, you, you can't develop courage without danger. You can't develop patience without obstacles. You can't develop compassion unless someone is suffering. You can't experience the thrill of victory unless there's the possibility of defeat, right? And I want you to see God's word tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And I want you to know there are times we will suffer in this world, but God uses suffering to teach us that he is faithful. Don't allow suffering to keep you from walking with Jesus. Thomas sees the evidence and he says, I'm gonna believe. I pray that's that's the example we follow. That's why Thomas shouldn't be known as doubting Thomas, but overcoming Thomas. Last thing, I want you to see... Look at verse 28. When Thomas sees this, he sees Jesus. He's right in front of his eyes. He says, My Lord and my God. Catch that. He immediately says, You're my Lord. You're my God. What does he do? He, he, he surrenders completely to Jesus. And that's what I pray we do, that if we face doubts, when we face struggles, we say, God, I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going I'm I'm to surrender completely to you. And this is a struggle for, for people all through history. We don't want to surrender to God. We don't want to surrender to his voice. But Thomas sees Jesus, and he immediately says, God, I surrender to you. You know what salvation is? It's, it's, it's when, when, when you believe in God, when you trust in God, in Christ for your salvation, you surrender to him as Lord. First John, or Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And I want the world to be saved, to know Christ. That's why Jesus came. And, and that, that involves Surrender. Belief produces surrender. That's what it does. What does that look like? Thomas surrendered to Jesus, and I. Are you, and I want to ask you: Are you surrendered to Jesus? Is He your Lord? Is He your Savior? What does that look like? Surrender looks like this: it, You live with your mind and will on Christ. It, it impacts the way you live. It's impossible for Christ not to impact your life. It's impossible. Thomas, it was, Jesus said, don't disbelieve, but believe, Thomas. He's like, okay, we know what happened to Thomas. He goes on from, from, from this moment in, in church history tells us that he goes to India, shares the gospel with, with people in India bravely, and ends up giving his life as a martyr in India. You know, he believed and he surrendered his mind, his will on Christ. Growth isn't automatic. You've got to understand it doesn't come passively. Change is a matter of choice. It's what you think about. And I want you to, Proverbs 4.23 says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. And and, and, and I want us to see like Romans, Ephesians 4, 22 and 23 says, to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Change always begins with a new way of thinking. I think about that moment. I'm at that crossroads as a college student going, Lord, am I going to believe you? Or am I gonna believe what the world is dishing out to me? And I'll tell you, in that moment, I I said, God, I'm I'm gonna trust you. You know, the the Bible word for change is the word repentance. It means to change your mind. And I wanna ask you, you, have you surrendered your will and your mind to Christ? That's what happens when you believe you say god you are lord i am not has that happened to you another thing when you, when you think about someone that is surrendered to christ they 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 live filled with the holy spirit The Holy Spirit is filling them, is living in them. This is where the power comes in, and Jesus gives this incredible illustration in John 15, and I want you to see this. John 15, four and five, he says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. And I want you to see a branch is totally dependent on on the vine. Fruit of our lives is an inside job. It's it's what God produces in us. It's when we live in the Holy Spirit and and filled with the Holy Spirit and and you got to understand this that it's, it that when when Christ saves you the saves you the filling of the Holy Spirit isn't you getting more of the Spirit because the minute you're saved the Holy Spirit indwells you comes into your life moves into you and 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 you don't get more of the Holy Spirit at one at another time. But it's it, it's it's allowing the Holy Spirit to get more of us. And God, I'm going to surrender to you. And I want to ask you: Are you have you surrendered to the to, to Christ? See your Lord, man. I pray you. That's where you are. Third thing: If you're if you're going to be know Christ as Lord, surrender as Lord, respond biblically to every circumstance and challenge. And this is the call for us, that we're to respond biblically to the challenges we face. It's like Romans 5, 3 through 5 says this, not only that, that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given us. And the Christian life is a one-time event in the fact that there comes a moment for all of us where we were justified. We were made just like we never sinned. And I pray that's happened to you today. And if that hasn't, you could come today and, and be made just like you never sinned. But you also need to understand the Christian life is a process of growing up in our faith. And this is why we've got to grow and become mature for God to produce this Christ-like character in us. And I want you to see what Thomas said. Look at verse 29. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Now, Now I want us to wants to catch this. Jesus is opening the door, giving us some insight here into something miraculous. He he said to Thomas, okay, look, here. I stood before you now and and I've shown you my hands, I've shown you my side and, and you believe because you've seen, right? And Thomas is like, yes. But then Jesus says, blessed are those who believe yet they haven't seen. That's us. That's us. You know, when I used to, I, I, can't, I can't wait to do this. I can't wait to get to heaven and, and get to sit with the disciples. And I do want to say to, to John, hey, that was funny that you outran Peter. Uh, I, that, that, I like that. Or, you know, or just seeing, being with the disciples and saying, what was it like to be with them, to hear him teach and, and to watch him uh, perform those miracles and to, and to see him go to the cross, John, what was that like? I think John's gonna go, no, 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 we saw him. Hey, what was it like to trust him when you never saw him? I mean, I think about, like in our first service today, sitting right here, are the Richmonds, who I sat with as their son went to be with Jesus and I'm watching them trust the Lord, even in the midst of the most unthinkable tragedy. You know what? The Bible says, blessed are us because we've believed in Jesus even though we haven't seen him with these eyes. I don't want you to miss the blessing of God because you're doubting. I, I pray that we can learn from Thomas today that, that we seek the truth. Thomas sought the truth. Thomas just threw away all the reasons for doubting and looked at the evidence and said, God, I'm gonna, I, I believe you. And then Thomas said, "Man, Lord, I, I, you're my Lord, my Savior. I surrender to you. There's got to be someone here today that that's your need. Maybe you're doubting today whether God's real. God's brought you here to say, stop doubting and believe. Stop. Believe me. Maybe today... Your your need is to, there's somebody you need to bring with you to Passion Week this week or Easter to say, hey, come and I want you to see what my Savior has done. But maybe you're scared. Maybe you're nervous about, about asking them or inviting them. I want to challenge you to maybe get on your knees. Come get on your knees and say, God, would you give me the boldness to speak up? But talk to my friends. Talk to my family member. Maybe today, you're facing one of the dark times in your life and you're, you're going, Lord, are you there? I want you to know he is. Would you turn to him? Look to him today. You know, we're gonna have our invitation. Joe's gonna come out and we're gonna sing a song. And... um. We're going to prepare to respond because every time God speaks, I believe we're called to respond. And, and, and the best thing we can all do as, as human beings is, is that when we hear God's voice and he moves us, that, that we just move. Okay, I'm going to move, Lord. I'm going to follow you. That's a practice you'll never regret. And so as our invitation starts, I want you to know our altars are open and you can come and pray for a friend, pray pray for God to strengthen you. Maybe you need to come and trust Christ as your Savior. Our staff members, we have some staff members down front and what we'd love to do is is we'll take you out of this room and, and we'll open God's word and show you what the Bible says about salvation, how you can be saved and forgiven. Don't turn his voice away.